I want to just take a few moments and I want to talk about um, promotion, promotion. And I want to look at the levels of promotion. I am a firm believer that everybody tonight, you have an innate desire within you to be successful. You want to thrive. You want to, you want to succeed. Nobody tonight wants to be a loser. Nobody wants to be a low life. Nobody wants to live beneath their means. We all want to succeed in life. We all want to thrive. And no matter the mistakes that we've made, no matter the battles we went through, no matter whatever we've experienced in life, there is still a desire in us to succeed. And that's called the will to live. We want to live. We want to do something. And I was thinking about um, people in general. And, you know, and, um, and you know, we had a tra tragic event that happened in the life of this young man. Very tragic. Our hearts are praying for this family. But I want to share something with you that I think is important. When somebody comes to the end of their life, there's three stages that they, they go through. The first stage is they feel like they're worthless. Okay? Number two, the second stage is they feel lonely. And the third stage is they're not afraid to die. So when a person can experience those three levels, they feel worthless, they feel alone, and they're not afraid to die, then usually that what, that's what happens is suicide. And people who don't, people who struggle and say they're going to commit suicide, usually they don't commit suicide is because one of those three things. They're either afraid to die or they, 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 they're not alone. They feel, you know, that their family's with them. But somebody that comes to the end of their rope, they go through these three stages. And uh, that, that, that is the three stages that they go through. And as I, as I was pondering these words, this comes from a f famous psychologist who, who, um, who interviews people who, with depression and people who are going through hard times in life. And even after uh, they interview family members after they've passed on. And these three things are the most common elements in people who come to the end of themselves. Now, why do I need to say this? I think it's important for me to say this because every person who is born and every person who is alive and have breath tonight, they really do feel, they, they want to feel valued in life. They don't want to feel alone. And they want to have a purpose in life. Do you all agree with me? How many would agree with Pastor Josh? No matter how old you are, you want to feel like you have worth and value. No matter what you've done in your past, you want to feel like you have worth or value. I know some of us have experienced a lot of things in our life, but nobody tonight wants to feel worthless. We all want to feel some sort of value. And we all want to feel like somebody's there for us. Can I hear an amen? And do you know one of the, the, one of the common things about churches, I have met pastors who, according to my opinion and most people's opinion, people would agree with, they, they probably couldn't preach out of a wet paper bag. They're just not a good preacher. You know, they're just, they don't have that gift. But their church is growing because that pastor makes them feel, makes people feel valued and makes those people feel worthy. And people will stick with a man or a woman of God if they know that you care for them and you love them in spite of whether you can preach or not. Can I hear an amen? So my point is, is that we all want to feel loved. We all want to feel valued. We all want to feel important. We all want to have somebody in our life that makes us feel valued and important. And your number one fan should be your spouse. Number one fan should be your spouse, all right? 
And outside of your spouse, you should have friends in your life that should believe in you and encourage you. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? John Maxwell said, show me your top ten friends and I'll show you your future. Because they do have influence in your life. So these are the three levels that people will go through in order for them to make that decision. So my point to you today is, it's very important that as people come into this building and they come off the streets or get out of their car, like I said with Floyd, shaking somebody's hand, greeting somebody, the greeters, Sandy and Dan, they do a great job training these greeters to greet them at the door and shake their hand. All of that is important because we want people to feel valued and worthy when they come into this church. No matter what you've done all week, when you step onto this parking lot of this church and when you come into those double doors, we want you to know no matter what people have said about you, no matter what you've experienced this week, you are important to Christ's point and we believe you. We believe in you. You have a soul. You matter to God. And if you matter to God, you matter to us. Is that all right? People matter to God. People matter to God. And that is why it's very important that we don't give up on people. Don't give up on people. They may not dress like we do. They may not act like we do. They may not even have the same philosophy or theology that we do. But the point that we've got to understand is that every person who is alive today, they have a soul. And that soul will live on for eternity. And ladies and gentlemen, you have the ability to affect somebody's soul for all of eternity. If somebody is sick, they can recover from sickness. If somebody is homeless, they can recover from homelessness. If somebody is unemployed, they can get a job eventually. But ladies and gentlemen, if somebody loses their soul, there is no point of return. You see how important that is? When we start to look at people through the eyes of Jesus and we understand that every person has a soul and if Jesus Christ thought they were worthy enough for him to die on the cross, then they are worthy enough for us to shake their hand and put a smile on our face and pat them on the back and say, no matter what you've experienced in the world, you are valuable to us. We love you. We care for you. We believe in you. And we believe that God has a purpose for your life. Can I hear an amen? It is about people. And ladies and gentlemen, this year, let me just be transparent with you. Uh, We've been here, this is going on our third year. This is going on our third year. And we've had a lot of transition since we've been in here. We've had to learn since we've been in here how to adjust to a bigger building. We've had to learn adjusting the sound, which they've done a great job on. Thank you so, so very much, Scott and your team. We love you so much. We've had to... We've had to adjust to this, uh, adjust to that and adjust to this, adjust to having a bigger building and financially. We've had to adjust our leadership level because we had to think out of the box and think differently. So we've had a lot of transition while we are here and while we are still here. We're still having transition. But the good thing about this church is that our mindset is a growth mindset and we realize that any time that God moves us to a new location, any time that God moves us to a particular place, then God is requiring us to stretch our faith and to believe him for bigger things. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but there's a pull and and there's a pull in the spirit. Now, I will say this. The spirit is awesome in this place. There is a shift in the atmosphere. There is liberty here and there is a 
spirit of anticipation of what God wants to do among us. And not only that, there is a great unity among us. There's a family spirit here. The spirit is here. And what God is getting ready to do, he is plowing the ground because he is getting ready for growth in this church. Growth cannot happen in the church if the atmosphere is not conducive to the ground. Ladies and gentlemen, God is getting the atmosphere ready so that we can experience what God has for us. This is the smallest we'll ever be. God has put us here because there's a dream and a vision, and that dream and vision is little. As a matter of fact, it's just a, just a, just a little seed. But ladies and gentlemen, what we're getting ready to do is water that seed with our mouth. We're speaking to the seed, and we're saying to the seed, Christ point, you will live and flourish. Christ point, you are going to grow. Christ point, you're going to be strong. Christ point, you're going to grow into a mature statue in Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen tonight? So God is getting ready to do something. But in the meantime, as we're preparing our hearts, as we are praying, as we are anticipating what God wants to do, we need to be reminded tonight that people are important. People are more important than buildings. People are more important than events. People are more important than the carpet. People are more important than my sermon. People have a soul, and that soul will live on for eternity, and you have the power to change somebody's destiny. You have somebody. You have the ability to change somebody's destiny. You have the ability to change somebody's destiny. That is a great responsibility that is upon our shoulders. Every person you meet, you have the ability to change their their, their, their life. And you know what? I, I'm going to talk about me because I can't talk about you, but I cheated and went to IHOP. I had pancakes. Come on, Jesus. And I had some eggs with jalapeno peppers and ketchup. Come on, somebody. And then the story's not over. I had a cinnamon roll. Okay, but... So I had, Sister Sandy, I had to binge. I just had to binge. I had a headache. I had to have sugar. And I'm like, I had, listen, I had a long week at the hospital. I was like, I'm going to go eat a cinnamon roll tonight. So, so since I went to eat a cinnamon roll, Brother Jimmy, I decided I was going to make my effort. I was going to make it worth it. You know what I did? So and I got to confess, I've actually went to IHOP a few times. But, but <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Okay, why IHOP? Because time I leave, it's midnight and I'm hungry. But, okay, uh, don't tell Carrie, okay? Don't tell Carrie I did that. <laughs> okay, so, so this woman at IHOP, what's her name? What, I think her name is, uh, oh, y'all don't know. It's Maria or something. So I went in there, Pastor David, and Maria, you know, she obviously was having a bad day. She was stressed. You could just tell what was going on, you know. She was just stressed. So, I went in there, and, and uh, she gave me my bill, and it was like, I don't know, $20. And so I tipped her $20, so I just evened it, you know. And so she gets and she just cries there. And I was like, yes, because I love to make people cry when you bless them. Isn't that wonderful? Just make them cry. So she just started crying. She says, thank you, thank you. Well, a few weeks later, I went back to Hog. And, and while I was there, because I honestly was making her my mission, Okay, so she served me again, and this was a few weeks ago, okay, so this, is, this has been going on for a while, so a few weeks ago, and I tipped her, I think the bill was 
$15, $20 this time. I tipped her $50. So so gave her a $50 tip. Well, she didn't see that I did that. So I, I uh, was at the counter, wrote $50 on the tip, and I walked out the door, and I got in my car. And, of course, they have big windows. So I, I was pulling around, and I looked over and glanced. She picked up, and she went like that. I could see her mouth like that. So I went to IHOP again last night for really, for the sole purpose, visiting this woman, seriously. Y'all got to give me credit. I did lose 15 pounds, though. You got to give me credit. Come on, give me some credit. Now, listen, guys, I just preached and told you, you got to feel, you got to feel worthy. You know, don't make me feel worthless up here. (laughs) I don't want to feel alone. Come on. So I went last night, and I sat down, and she was like, she said, Josh Pennington, I found out who you are. She's like, I am telling everybody that comes in as IHOP, if this guy comes in, this is the most generous guy I've ever met in my whole life. I love this guy. I, then I was joking with her. I said, do you love me for my money or do you love me? No, just joking. <laughs> so, but anyway, so she was telling me last night, she said, and we had this big, long conversation. She said, you just don't really know the night that you came in the first time and you tipped me. She said, I was struggling so bad, and I was having a crisis of faith, and I just wanted to give up. And she said, people have treated me horribly all day. And she said, and you were at the end of the shift. She said, and you blessed me. And she said, I had to go. She said, you don't know, but I am a Christian. But I was so moved by what you did. I went and told my pastor. I told an outreach director about you. I told my husband about you. And she said, we're all talking about Christ point about, and she said, do you know who the pastor is? <laughs> this was last night. I said, he's out of town right now. <laughs> no, I said, I'm the pastor. She's like, you are? You look too young to be a pastor. So I was like, yes, I'm the pastor. I said, I thought you knew last week or the week before I was the pastor. She said, no, it didn't dawn on me that you were the pastor. I said, well, I'm sorry. I really thought you, you know, maybe it was a miscommunication. And so, and I'm talking about my story because you have the ability to change somebody's life. And and if we all, if we're always thinking about my need and what I got to do, will just never make a difference. What I'm asking you to do is pray and pick one person that you really want to reach and love on them. They may resist it, love them anyway. Do something for it. Invest in their life. They, people, number one, don't want to feel worthless. They don't want to feel alone. And if you have the ability to do that, do you know what can happen? You could be a mentor in somebody's life just by what you do, do by expressing your love to them. Amen? So get out of the box and pray. God, I want to, you know, and the reason I'm stressing this is because I was raised in church and all we did was pray for souls and we really never mobilized or activated people to go out and really be a witness. The reason you got the Holy Ghost is not for you to speak in tongues. That's good. But you got the Holy Ghost to be a witness. 
And that is why we have the Holy Spirit. Not so that we can sit on church pews. We got the Holy Spirit that you will go out and be a witness. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Do you know the Assemblies of God is the number one denomination in the world who sends missionaries around the world? Because they understand the purpose of Pentecostal power is to be a witness and to be a witness around the world. My question to this church, let's be a witness to Galena and Joplin, and let's change this world for the gospel. Amen. Can I hear an amen? You have, the, you have the potential to do that. And so, number one, remember, people don't want to put that, people don't want to feel worthless. They don't want to feel alone. Those are the two things. Every person desires to be loved and they desire to love. And even the person that don't smile, and even the person that treats you rude, and the person you can't stand at your job you got to realize something, that God has placed them in your life so that he can develop character in your life. Those people you don't like, God's put them in your life so he can perfect character in your life. So use that opportunity to invest yourself into somebody. Amen? You see, my life has changed. I'm 37 years old, and when I was 16 years old, coming from a broken family, I went to church camp and heard a man preach. And that man was Jimmy Patillo, and he believed in me. He invited me to his church when after I graduated from Bible college. He mentored me, trained me, believed in me, and I'm so very close to them today because you know what he did? He believed that I had value. I did feel alone as a teenager, but he believed that I had value, and he came alongside of me. And he poured himself into me. And I'm a byproduct of someone just believed. Listen, folks, I love my parents. And everything I say, I say in love. I would never disrespect them. I'm just saying factual. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. There was many odds against me. And I'm not gloating in that. I'm just saying somebody just came along and believed in me. And my life is transformed and changed because somebody just simply loved me and believed in me and spoke into me and my life has been forever changed. And that is why Sean Taylor is sitting on the front seat today, because I spoke into him. He comes from a great family, but I believed in him and said, you know, Sean, I believe you can lead worship. I believe there's more inside of you. I begin to speak the word of God into him. Can I hear an amen? And we have other people in this church. We have Nathan, we have Eric, and we have, we have Lewis. We have all these young men who are coming to me saying, Pastor, you know, I want to learn more. Speak into me. And you know, my heart is proud to do that because I want them to achieve, not just them, anybody who wants to be mentored. I want people to achieve their, their, their very best. And, and I want to let you know something, that, that I am here not because I'm forced to be here. I am here because there's a mandate on my life to believe in people. Because it can change. Listen, people don't remember my sermons. I work hard on them. Hours. Sometimes I'll stay up all night just to make sure it's perfect. I didn't do it necessarily this week because all the circumstances, but usually I do it. 
I tried my best today, you know. Usually every week I make sure I put hours into the sermon. But I've learned something. Sermons are good. Sermons very rarely change people's lives. They might hear a word or two that sticks with them. And we preach because you need to hear it because it's nourishment to your soul. It's spiritual food. So it does do a change in you progressively. But being Jesus to someone has the ability to change their hearts quicker than anything that I've ever seen in life. It really does. Has the ability to change people's life. I'm asking you, do you feel the mandate to do something? Do you feel the mandate to invite somebody, pray for somebody, speak into somebody's life? Have you thought about going up to someone and saying, I've been thinking about you and praying for you? Do you know that Christopher that passed away today, did you know that a week ago the Holy Spirit said, I need you to call Christopher? Is that right, Sean? And I called Christopher a week ago and said, Christopher, I've missed you in church. I haven't seen you in a while. I just want to let you know I love you and I'm praying for you. He says, well, thank you, Pastor. And then we just had a general conversation. said, well, I love you too. That was probably a week and a half ago. You have the potential. You just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and be led by the Spirit. You have the potential to change somebody's life for all eternity. You see what's good about it? Is that me and you, we're all called to this church, and guess what? We're all in the foxhole together, and we're going to do something great for Jesus. You hear me? How many's in the foxhole with me? Oh, that, y'all, come on. If you're in the foxhole, that means you're a soldier. I said, how many's in the foxhole with me? Now, I just got a few moments. Can I tell you the different levels of promotion in somebody's life? Just very quickly, and I'm, they'll be behind me. Number one is what we call prep. Number one is what we call the call. Call. C-A-L-L. Number one, call. You see, when God does something in somebody's life, when God does something in somebody's ministry, the very first thing that happens, there is a mandate and there is a call. Somebody shout the call. Now, don't turn there because of the lack of time. I want to show you this. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 1, Luke chapter number 1, verse 26, now it was the sixth month and the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. You get the story. An angel came, spoke to the virgin, said you're going to have a child. You shall name him Jesus for he's going to save his people from their sins. So the first thing that you see in the life of Jesus is the call. The call came to the virgin and said, you will have a son, and this son will save his people from their sins. How many would agree that's the call of God right there? What was his call? To save people from their sins. You shall name him Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. So the number one call, there's a call. There's either a call on your life, there's a call on the ministry. Every person has a call. You're called to do something, okay? This church is called to do that right there, okay? That's our call in the city of Galena and Joplin. Grow to serve and to change. That's our mandate. That's our call. We're, we're, we're called to serve, all right? We're not called to sit sour and soak. We're called to serve. We're called to grow. We're called to change somebody's life. 
That's what we're called here in Galena and the Joplin surrounding area. So number one is the call. Everyone say the call. Number two, there is the confirmation. Number two, confirmation, confirmation. That comes in Luke chapter number three, confirmation. Number two, so you have the call, and now you have the confirmation. Luke chapter number three, I want you to see in verse number 21, there is a confirmation. Luke chapter three and verse number 21. Look at this. You don't have to turn there. Look at behind me. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heavens were open. Verse number 22, it states this. The Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove. He heard a voice out of heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So who confirmed the call? The Father confirmed the call. So somebody say the call. Somebody say confirmation. So who confirmed the call? The Father did. The Father said, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. You're my beloved son. Now, can I just say, a, can I have a side note here? Isn't it interesting in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 3, verse 21, put it back up there if you can, please. Luke 3, 21, he hears the call, verse 22, and the Father says, you, you are my son, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know, get this. Get, everybody look at here. Just look at the progression of Scripture. Verse 21 says, you're my beloved son. Then you start to turn the pages, and Jesus is dealing with religious leaders. And these religious leaders begin to tell him, you're of the devil. These religious leaders wanted to stone him. These religious leaders started gossiping towards him. His disciples couldn't even pray with him. Judas betrays him, chapter after chapter. Jesus tells the religious leaders, you're vipers and snakes. You don't even, you, you, you say you worship God, but you tax the men and women. Vipers, snakes, whitewashed sepulchers, all coming against Jesus. Even to the point that these religious leaders out in the courtyard said, give us Barabbas and crucify him. What's my point? My point is this, don't lose me. If you don't, if you don't feel beloved by the Father, if that is not secure in your life, and you don't get your confirmation from Him and your security from Him, don't expect it from people because people will let you down. Because that's what we do. We go throughout our whole life seeking approval of people. And whether people like us or not, when, when the Father said, Jesus I approve of you, you are my son, and it doesn't matter what the religious leader says, it doesn't matter who leaves you, it doesn't matter who forsakes you, I already told you at the beginning of your ministry that I approve of you, so don't seek their approval. So number one, there is the call, and then there is the confirmation, somebody say confirmation, and then number three, there is the preparation, preparation. Preparation, Luke chapter 4, verse number 1, the preparation. Where was Jesus at? Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness. How many days was he tempted in the wilderness? He was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. Now get this, Luke chapter number 4. Luke chapter number 4, verse number 14. Luke chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible says this. Now Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and the news of him spread throughout all the surrounding region. Now listen, he returned in power because he was tempted for how many days? Forty. So there was preparation before there was power. 
there was isolation and separation before there is exaltation. There is a period of loneliness. There's a period of wilderness before there is power. And ladies and gentlemen, that happens in our life. But God is saying those times of loneliness, those times of despair, those spiritual wildernesses in your life, that is preparation. That's what it is. You say, Pastor, but I experienced that three years ago. Well, guess what? This is a cycle. There's a call, there's a confirmation, and there is preparation. Preparation. The next thing after preparation, there is empowerment. 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 The Bible says, verse number 14, he returned in power. There is power after preparation. Somebody say power after preparation. Now, I know you're not going to like this, but the next step is this. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 28. Luke 4 verse 28. Not only is there empowerment, but now there is rejection. Luke 4 verse 28. Luke 4 verse 28 says this. Now all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they was filled with, verse 29, they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the bow of the hill, which was the city, which was, which their city was built, and they might throw him off of the cliff. Now, folks, that's not a good day right there. So you see what happens. Everybody say the call. Everybody say confirmation. Everybody say preparation. Say empowerment. And now say rejection. If you feel, if you feel rejected, well, guess what? That's a part of the cycle. It's part of the cycle. And the last thing you see is exaltation. Exaltation. And exaltation is found in Luke 24, verse 50. Luke 24 and verse number 50, you see exaltation. Luke 24 and verse number 50. Luke 24 and verse number 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany, lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass that while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, continuing in the temple, praising and blessing God. How many's ever heard a sermon on the ascension of Jesus? How many knows that's a doctrine? Jesus was ascended. There was exaltation. And Jesus, when he was ascended, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Now, what was the right hand? Would well, you know in Roman mythology, in Roman, you know, idea and thought, the right hand was always reserved for the emperor's son, the one who would reign with him? And Jesus ascends to heaven and he sits on the right hand of the Father because Jesus is not only a prophet, not only is he a king, but he's also a priest. He's reigning with the Father. Can I hear an amen? And at his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. So now you have the call, you have confirmation, you have preparation, you have empowerment, you have rejection, and you have exaltation. Do you see those? Now in closing, I want to say this. Where are you in these stages? Every one of you is feel like you're in a stage. And guess what? After you go through all these stages, it repeats itself. You, you will feel a call, 
you will go through these stages, and then you, after you get, these stages may take years, but you'll get through all of them, and when you get through all of them, it'll change. And then you'll come up to me and say, Pastor, I just feel a sense that I need to do this. I sense a different calling that I need to do this. Well, there you go. You're starting the process over. You feel another call. And with that call, there's a confirmation and there's a preparation. And you will go throughout your whole life during these cycles. And what you have to understand is that when you're in one of these cycles, you cannot misinterpret the system. You can't misinterpret the cycle. Because if you misinterpret the cycle, you're going to get confused and think that God's not with you. It's not worth it. I'm going to throw in the towel and give up. Because you think you've been in the preparation too long. Well, you know, I, 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 it's just too long. I, I, I guess it, it ain't working. I've been tithing for three months. It ain't working. You see, we misinterpret it. Because listen, listen to this preacher. God is the one who sets the time schedule for each stage. It's not like you can go to the office and clock out and say, guess what, God? I am done with the rejection part. Come on, somebody. Or, God, I'm done with the preparation. And, and you can't misinterpret this church because it's easy to sit in the church pew and look up here and say, now why do they get to preach when I have done this? You've got to see that God has given them empowerment and that may be your preparation. But don't worry about it, honey. If you're faithful, you'll go through the process and it will be your turn to be exalted and their turn to be prepared. And what happens is we get discouraged because we see some people being exalted and we feel like that we're in the rejection stage. And we give up. And guess what? The number one thing that causes us to stay in a stage, in, in, in a stage is our attitude and our heart. If we have a bad attitude and walk in unforgiveness and bitterness towards other people because God is blessing them and we seem like we're not going nowhere, guess what? You're going to stay in that stage a long time until you get the clue that in order for you to pass that stage, you better have a clean heart and a pure heart and walk in love towards your brother. And when you have passed the test, you can go on to the next stage. And you can never, ever, ever think that rejection is because you've done something wrong. It's a part of the process. It's part of the process. The key is, is learning how to walk through these stages with the right heart and right attitude. You may, you may, have, you may have done a lot in your life, and now you feel like I'm being rejected, or, or I, I feel like, it, bless my heart, Sister Judy and, and uh, Pastor Larry, we was in the car today. We went and saw Sister Christy, and we was having a conversation. And did you not say that Pastor Larry and Sister Judy said, we're in the stage of our life. We pastored for years. But this stage, they used this word, did you not? We're in preparation. We're learning and growing. And, and, and it blessed my heart because he's been in ministry much longer than I have. And he looked at me and said, I've learned so much more here than I have learned. This is a season of preparation. And guess what, Pastor Larry? Because you've been faithful in preparation, you're going to be exalted. Did you hear me? He, did, he, he doesn't sit there and have the attitude of why I don't get to do this and why. No, no, no. He's saying God is preparing me 
God is doing something in my life. I'm going to be faithful at these stages because God is the one that promotes and God is the one that demotes. So what stage are you in? And what kind of heart do you have in each of these stages? In my own personal life, ladies and gentlemen, I feel like that I'm in the stage of preparation, you know? I, I, a few months ago, I felt like I was empowered. I felt like I was in that season. Now I feel like I'm being, there's a season of, or no, excuse me, I felt rejected because the death of my mom and where's God and I was trying to make it there and it didn't go the way I thought it should go and just those feelings. You know, but I learned one thing, that if I'm going to get through that stage, I'm going to have to keep my heart right towards God. I'm going to have to keep my heart right towards people because I don't want to stay in that section of rejection a lot. I want to really move on to the next level. Somebody say amen. And so I want you to change your perspective. Your perspective is either your prison or your passport. And if you're looking at your life thinking that everybody's against you and everybody's wronging you, ladies and gentlemen, you're not that important for everybody to think that of you. Some people have pride issues. They really think a lot of people is mad at them. Let's not think that highly of ourselves. Most people are eating their Oreos and going on with their life. They're not sitting around thinking about you. So, so now I'm not saying we don't have enemies, but let's not throw the words out, everybody's mad, everybody hurt me. If, come on, can, how many knows I'm preaching real good up in this house? Let's watch our vocabulary and say, you know, there was a couple people that didn't like me. I've had a few enemies in my life, but let's not make it out so dramatic and so dramatized that everybody's after you and nobody likes you because they didn't ask me to sing. They didn't ask me to preach. I mean, they didn't ask me to take the offering. I had a word from God. If we're not careful, you've got to see that God has people in different stages. And you know what? When we come to church, they might be people over in this section. They may feel empowered. Maybe they had a good week. These people over here, their dog died, their cat died, their spouse is angry, their kids dropped out of school. Come on, somebody. They're just mad. These people just don't care. They just come to church. Y'all, not prophetically speaking, it's just, okay? And, and this is what you have, listen, this is what you have in a church service. In a church service, you have everybody in one of these cycles, and so therefore you have all kinds of responses in church. You have those who would just worship God and run around the building and cry because you know what? They feel pretty empowered in their life right now. But you have people who are crying and don't want to worship because they feel rejected. You have other people that feel a call and feel excited. They want to do something. You have other people praying God, speak a word, confirm that you need to do this in my life. I need to hear from you. You have those people. You have people feeling exalted, feeling like, it's my time to move on because I need to do something else. And you have all these people in different cycles, and sometimes we come to church and we're like, what's wrong with everybody? I'll tell you what's wrong with everybody. Everybody's in one of these cycles. That's what's wrong with everybody. 
Is that right? How many knows that's right? So that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean people don't love God. That, that, that doesn't mean people are not worshiping God. That just means we're all in different stages. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we all just felt empowered one Sunday morning? Can I hear an amen? But you know what? That's not life. And I'm going to close with this. True faith is this. True faith is learning how to walk with God in all of these seasons and never giving up. Never giving up on your worship. Never giving up on your praise. Never giving up on your giving. Never giving up being nice to people even though you feel rejected. That's true faith. I'm asking you that whatever season you find yourself in, have the right perspective. It's just a cycle. It's a season. Seasons come to an end. Cycles come to an end. I promise you. It, you can go to the next cycle. But the promotion test is you having the right attitude, keeping your heart clean. And the reason the children of Israel, the children of Israel was called out of Egypt. They were confirmed by Moses. They were prepared. Get up, clean your house, get rid of the yeast, get prepared, because on this night, you're leaving Egypt. They left Egypt. Oh, yeah, they felt rejected. Of course they did. They felt empowered, didn't they? So much that they danced across on dry ground on the Red Sea, and Miriam, Moses' sister, took a tambourine and danced. They felt empowered. But didn't they feel rejected? They got across the Red Sea and started to complain, you should have left us in Egypt because at least... We had the food we wanted in Egypt. God don't care nothing about us out here. We feel rejected. You see, folks, listen. History repeats itself. It's the same stuff every year. It's the same cycle. It's the same stuff. And if we don't understand it in the spiritual realm, we're going to get an attitude with God, an attitude with people, and, and just it's not going to be good. It's not. So be faithful in whatever season you find yourself in. Amen. Did you like this word tonight?